Oh yeah, we're back. We are back. Uh, hey, how many of you uh, did work week, went to work week? Yay, come on now. Yeah, some of us had a great time down in Central Oregon. It was snowing. Uh, oh, man. But we uh, survived. It was awesome. couple little announcements. My name is Kent, and it's good that you're back here first day uh, after a little vacation time. I hope you're refreshed. Uh, Hosanna tonight right here in chapel. Awake tomorrow night, so that's happening. Uh, tomorrow, just so you know, at the Robinson Teaching Theater right over in Weyerhaeuser is Michael Rada. He's an author and a speaker, and he's talking about should I be a Christian? Should be an incredible talk at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, Robinson Teaching. Another quick uh, announcement about a speaker here on Thursday night. Sorry, Foundations class. You cannot go. We will have our own class. But at 7 o'clock, same place, Robinson Teaching. Dr. David Eastman is here. He's talking about Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Why are Abraham's children still fighting? And that should be a really interesting uh, lecture as you go over to hear that. A lot of things happening this week as we're into our final run before May, and we're done. But uh, hang in there, okay? Don't, don't get senioritis on me, seniors. Uh, we need some communion servers, so if you would sign up in the back, if you'd like to serve communion, we would love to have you. Um, we need some of you to help us serve. Let me pray. Well, God, I thank you that uh, we're up this morning, and I pray that we're refreshed, that we're recreated, recreation, the idea of getting away from it all and having our spirits and our hearts filled with something different and beautiful and refreshing. But Lord, help us um, to pause for this next maybe 15, 20 minutes to remember whose we are, that you love us, that you rose from the dead. And the hope we have in that should allow us to live lives that are a little crazy, a little unleashed, because we have this joy in knowing that this is not it. There's more. Be with the world. And bless those who are trying to lead it, we pray for peace and for equity in a world where it seems that the divides are getting bigger. Be with Forrest as he brings your word. And may we listen with our hearts, I pray, in your name. Amen. Good morning. Thanks, Ken. So good to be together today again. And welcome back, everyone. Hope you had a great break. We had a great break as a family. And uh, we got to go to work week. We had, we had some fun. Got a little picture, I think, up there of... Maybe coming, uh, maybe not. We had fun working and playing with a lot of you all at work week. It was great. And uh, yeah, it was just, just a fun time. I hope you had a great refreshing time as well. One of the things that work week reminds me of, and, and maybe, and Mindy talked about a few weeks ago, that experience of the camp high. That experience when you have some experience with God and with each other, with others, we feel like this is just the way it was meant to be. I remember that, that experience myself as, as a high school student as, at my first camp I ever went to and singing to God with all my heart with my friends and thinking, wow, this is so special. This is how it was meant to be. And then going on a mission trip and seeing and serving and loving and singing and saying, whoa, this is, this is it. This is how it was meant to be. It all it was all great experiences. This text today, I think it helps us, invites us today into further that, that the picture of this is how it's meant to be, invites us in, this is how it was meant to be. In Revelation chapter 7, 
We, 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 it really, Revelation 7 continues this, where we were with Revelation 4 and 5 uh, in this throne room scene we were talking about the last few weeks. We're skipping chapter 6. We're going to come back to the themes of chapter 6 and beyond as, as God's wrath and God's warnings start coming in, in the book of Revelation and what John sees. But we're coming to another kind of vision of the throne in chapter 7. Y'all who are in the back, there's plenty of seats over here if you want any. You're, you're invited. So we come to chapter 7. It begins in chapter 7, in, in, in John's vision, he sees this angel, and angel, four angels at the four corners of the earth, they're holding back the winds, and an angel comes with a seal in his hand to seal those who, who are, are, are marked as servants of God with a seal in their foreheads. It's probably something to do with, with sealing them for battle, marking them for battle. And then in verse 4, we see this. John says, I heard a number of those who were sealed, 144,000, sealed out of every tribe of the people of Israel. And then from there, he goes on and says, and talks about how, how there are 12,000 from each tribe, from Judah and Reuben and Gad and Asher, and all these different tribes, all adding up to 144,000. So here, here's a place for us in, in, our, in our great learning about how do we handle Revelation well. Here's one of our key elements, right? When we come to numbers, don't take them literally, all right? This is an apocalyptic genre of writing. They're meant to be symbolic. So this is not like our Jehovah's Witness friends sadly believe that only 144,000 are really get into heaven. That's not what it's saying. It's saying 12 times 12 equals, come on, 12 times 12 equals. <laughs> Thank you, Bella. She's been working really hard on time tables. <laughs> That's actually true. Uh, she's a good old time times gal. All right, how about uh, next one? 10 times 10 times 10? 1,000. Well done. So 12 is the number of completeness of administration, the 12 tribes, the 12 disciples. 10, a number, another number of completion, 10, time, 10 cubed. 1,000 times 144, put them together, 144,000. It's just this is the complete number. It's telling us this is the complete number. This is the people of God. Here it is, the people of God from every, all these different tribes. So that's, that's where we come, that's the, the, that's the first part of, of chapter 7, and now we come to verses 9 through 17, and I, as you know, I would invite you to read this together, the people of God, the community of God, reading God's, God's word together. We're going to read verses, if, you, if you'd like to, you don't have to, but you're invited to read verses 9 through 17, it'll be up on the screen, I hope. All right. Ready? Go. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of a great ordeal. 
They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night within His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And He will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Thank you so much. So he hears the ceiling of these 144,000, but now he turns and sees it. He's heard the stats. Now he sees what, he, what the, the actual scene in front of him. And it's, it's a great multitude, way more than 144,000, robed in white, people worshiping God, the one who is on the throne, and the Lamb, angels, elders, people all around worshiping this God. And they've all been there, clothed in white, come through the great ordeal. This is one of the themes of Revelation that we see throughout, is that those who are followers of Jesus suffer and actually conquer through suffering. And so, and you might expect that, right? The, the, the king, the one they're following, is a lamb who was slaughtered. And so as followers of Jesus, we should not expect that life is going to be easy. Actually, Revelation promises life is going to be hard. We're going to come through the suffering, but in the suffering and following of the lamb who is slaughtered, we actually find and join in his victory, just like we just talked about. And then, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with them having suffered. They've been given new robes by this, from this lamb who's cleansed them. And then it says that God himself will comfort them. This shepherd will be, this, the lamb will be their shepherd will give them water of life, and God himself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So they suffer, and we suffer, but God doesn't leave us alone. God comes to us, cares for us, meets us in Jesus, and wipes away every tear himself, knowing that hope we have in him. Meredith Shimizu in our art department uh, pointed me towards this incredible art depiction of this scene. It's from the Ghent Altarpiece in 1432. This is uh, from Jan van Eyck. You can see that this is, this is huge. It's, it's 11 and a half feet high and 15 feet wide on wood, oil on wood. And God the Father at the center there. But then under there in the center is, we're going to look at a little more closely, the adoration of the mystic lamb. So let's look at that. You see, it's kind of this, this depiction of this scene from Revelation. For people coming, men and women from the four corners of the globe, coming in to worship this lamb. And you see the lamb a little closer. See it here? There's the lamb bleeding. You see the instruments of death behind him, behind the lamb. And yet this lamb is clearly not dead, right? Just what we just celebrated. This lamb is lamb who died but now lives. And this lamb is, re is ready to, to get after it, right? You can see this lamb's strong. Although, <laughs> I wouldn't want to go head to head with that lamb. But that the blood is still pouring out into the cup that we, we celebrate on Thursdays together, right? That God and Jesus gives us life and sustains us and draws us close. And then we see, and actually on that lamb, on, on the altar there, it says, the lamb of God who is slain for the sins of the world. Then in front of, in front of the lamb, there's this fountain. And the fountain of the, of the, the stream of the water of life with the, with the water flowing out towards us. It's hard to see at the bottom there. There's a little, there's a, there's a drip, the water of life. The promise in our past is that Jesus gives us this water of life. 
this beautiful picture. Go back, let's go back to the big picture. And then, so you see, this, this is amazing. I mean, this is, look at this scene. The lamb at the center, everyone worshiping the lamb, the one who gives us life because he, he died and now he lives. Like we just celebrated Easter. This one reigns. Oh, this is good. This is how it's meant to be. This is right. But as I reflected on this passage and reflected on this incredible artistic depiction of it, there's something I felt like that was missing. And I think we need to read verses uh, 9 and 10 again to, uh, to get, let's, let's see, we'll see what we hear. Verse 9 says this, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Das Heil unserem Gott, der auf dem Throne sitzt und dem Lamme. Le salut est à notre, notre Dieu qui est assis sur la trône et à l'agneau. See, this is what was missing. In all my experiences, and in the picture too, it's people who look just like us, who talk like us, who dress like us, like me. He tried a little in the bottom left corner. There's a, there's a few different hats, maybe a few different cultures kind of represented, but for the most part, it's people who are the same. But that's not the picture. That's not the picture. The picture is more like this, except way more, way, way more. We have Spanish and German and French and four African languages and Chinese and English. We have this whole mix of languages and cultures and beauty. See, the, the picture at the end, it's not everyone turning into the same. It's actually this great multitude of every nation and people and tribe and language, this great people of God coming together in the beauty of God's diverse creation, the beauty of all of us in our differences coming around the Lamb and saying salvation belongs to our God and to his on the throne and to the Lamb. All of us worshiping God in our own language, in our own place, from our own culture, our own place and people. Thank you all can sit. Thank you to our students and, and faculty for sharing your language and your culture with us this morning and the beauty of that. See, it's a little more like this, right? 
A little more like this. It's not just the 12 tribes of Israel. Like he heard. You know, when he heard that, I wonder if he expected, oh, it's just going to be people like me. But then he turned and saw something like that. Something like this. This is the reality. This is the reality, the truth of God's kingdom, of God's people. And yet, sadly, we don't experience this very often, right? Dr. Martin Luther King famously said over 50 years ago that 11 o'clock Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And sadly, it's still true. We, and there's so many reasons for this, and we don't need to try to figure that out. But it is still true. Even the people of God, the Christians, the ones who are unified in this reality in Jesus around the Lamb, still we end up only with people who look like us and talk like us and dress like us and are like us. But the reality is something bigger and greater as God's calling together this multitude of the beautifully diverse people of God around the Lamb. And so what do we do? Y'all can come on up. What do we do? I, I don't have answers. I don't have answers. I'm on the journey with you in this, but here's the thoughts I have. One is, I wonder if, if, if we just need to celebrate the reality that this is what God is doing and, and, and has done in Jesus, calling together this beautifully diverse people of God. Celebrate it. Think about it. Receive it. And at Whitworth, let's try to taste that. I mean, what, what would it look like? Maybe one way it would look like is be willing, and I'm talking to myself here, be willing to get uncomfortable. To get uncomfortable and learn from those who are different from you. To step out and say, I want to get to know you and your culture. And, your, and, your, and not, not to put them in a spot and make them a project. And it could go either way. African-American to white. White to African-American and Latino and, and African and, and Arabic. And every, wherever you want to be, ask. And get to know and get a little uncomfortable. This, this uh, fall, I get to go to a, an African-American uh, theology and pastors conference. And one of the organizers said, said my, my white brothers and sisters have been asking me if they can come to this, this conference. He said, well, we've, we've been going to all the white pastor theologian conferences for lots of time, and we don't really enjoy it. Sure they can come. So I'm going. I want to go. I want to go learn from my African-American brothers and sisters in the church and what they see and understand the scripture and our world and our, our country. Maybe it takes a little of that, stepping out. Or maybe it means that we have to be ready for God to open our hearts to care about some things we didn't care about before. Because when we look at there and we realize that there's some brothers and sisters who are worshiping the same lamb who have some things going on in their lives that don't really affect me, but they affect them. I might now have to start caring about things I didn't care about before. That might be part of what God might do in us as we recognize and celebrate this reality that in Jesus, God is calling together the beautifully diverse people of God. And so we're going to stand up and sing. It's, 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 it's not quite that, but it's, it's moving that direction as we look around this room and we stand together and sing and worship this one God who's on the throne and the Lamb together. Let's respond to him and stand. So may we go from here being the people of God who are united around Jesus, who scream out to the world, he is God. And one of the ways we do that is living as the united, beautifully diverse people of God, worshiping the Lamb and the one who is on the throne. I'm going to invite us to finish today with our benediction together. On the screen, you'll see those words that we read. If you know it in a different language, say, say a different language. If you know it in English, say it in English. We'll say it loud together. Hopefully you can see it there. And so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's say it together. Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Hope you have a great day.